we've got leverage right now. I said what it truly means. And how much it's been captured in the past. Centers say you get to eat. I was driving into Nashville and I looked over my shoulder and I, my cowboy hat had gotten a crease in it. And uh, <laughs> as I was driving into Nashville, I was thinking, well, this isn't too good. So I need to find somebody that uh, will give me a new crease on my hat. So I went ahead and basically, I called up Rod over there at Bitcoin Park in Nashville and uh, in Nash Bitcoiners. I said, man, you guys know any place to get a hat creased? And sure enough, Rod being the wonderful person he is, within minutes he had a couple of links and he sent me one and it was called Hat Works of Nashville. And I was like, perfect. I looked it up on uh, the internet, found out it's over there on 8th Avenue. And um, so before I went anywhere, I drove into Nashville and I drove over to the Hat Works. And lo and behold, I drove up and I just got a big old smile on my face. It's an old, uh, old building, uh, window front, of course. And uh, as I drove up and then uh, when I walked in, I knew I was in the right place. Shelves and shelves of basically just, you know, hats and um, different styles not all cowboy hats everything but i walked up and i said hey i got this hat i need to get creased and she looked at it and she <laughs> she laughed she goes well this is a stetson and i don't know about that well they'd uh she didn't have a good relationship with stetson anymore so i said well hell i can do it if you let me and she goes well get behind the counter and start creasing so uh i stepped on behind the counter and um i knew i found somebody that i wanted to talk to and it was Gigi, owner of uh, hat works in nashville we started going into the conversation about where i was from uh what i was doing and the conversation quickly led into basically a little bit of heritage, a little bit of heritage of hat making, a little bit of heritage of Texas, and then what do you know, it led straight into some food intelligence. And uh, as I was hitting that foot pedal for the steamer, I started having a conversation with Gigi about food intelligence, where we were, where we came from, and where we were going. And uh, here's a little couple of excerpts that you can listen to. And I used to eat Morning Star sauce. <laughs> Didn't we all, right? Bacon. Yeah. And I liked it. Well, and it now tastes it's good. like, I can't dare buy Morning no. Star. No. Even though it's, I liked it. It's and so I unhealthy. was a vegetarian for 10 years. And, and, but you couldn't survive. You can't survive being a vegetarian. Yeah. Why were you a vegetarian, though? Um. Why was it? Well, I have to admit, at the time, it was the uh, the bad cow. Yeah, the psyop. You know, of the, the bad psyop cow. of the bad cow is what initially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, that is why I did it. Yeah. And, and I just ended up doing it for ten years, and then it was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Um, what better way? I got on a lot of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I was this huge recycler, and I. <laughs> got on the peak oil bandwagon wow. in the in 2000s. I don't know if you know about that one. Oh yeah, I, like I said, I've been working in food intelligence yeah. pretty deep. If so I, you know, it's amazing that I, I don't know what kind of keeps me on it. Now I enjoyed the, actually the peak oil 
part of it. I mean, I met people, and, and I tried to grow some food. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but now I'm like, oh, my God. Well, what, you look what at how we got to the bad cow in, you know, in my lifetime really and how the cow has been vilified throughout the generations starting, you know, we had a battle of, um, you know, in the 70s, early 70s. And then you, you've had everything from Oprah Winfrey uh, talking about the cattle industry, cattle industry uh, suing Oprah, for, Oprah Winfrey and losing that battle, of course, which it was more. You know, it was an orchestration, dramatic, you know, it was more of a soap opera. But throughout the time, you you know, you had the beef industry that really defended itself. You have the commercials, you know, beef, it's what's for dinner. And, you know, they really kind of counterpunched with marketing and advertising. Well, you've seen that wane throughout the years. And you look at modern times right now in the social engineering and the global marketing. And, you know, right now they're actually creating a sequence of events that's becoming more legal and they're leading with climate change and they're basically uh, labeling the cow as a carbon hazard and how people really that are detached from what you know food is anymore and they know more about what a marketing plan is and what what a box looks like than what's actually in that box and by basically detaching people's understanding of what true food is and what food intelligence is, they've been able to label the cow as bad, you know, all the way from Ansel Keys talking about cholesterol back in the late 1950s, all the way through the 1960s, they made animal fat, you know, something that is going to kill you, uh, you know, clog your arteries and all these types of cancers and colon cancer. And it all traces back as far as vilifying the cow, making it a, making it something that was hazardous but to your health. I was reading in the health. newspapers about what seemed health. to be a new epidemic of coronary heart disease. What is your name, please? My name is Dr. Ansel Keyes. Still like apples as much as ever? Haven't got one in your pocket, have you, doctor? See you again next year. Next year. We hope. We I hope. have the idea that it might be. But what it really has always been too. since the beginning oh. of time is the the cow has been the source of our strength as far as societies have grown. And you can go all the way back to, you know, 1880s Texas when Texas started feeding a nation and that nation was being fed by the cow. And so creating the, uh, the pop culture, uh, the, the idealistic view that the cow is a horrible for you is very dangerous. It's, uh, it's affecting our, the American rancher. It's affecting uh, parents' perceptions on what is healthy. And whenever you're able to get basically a, a society and a culture to vilify any type of nutrition that is actually good for you, but it's actually uh, uh, messaged out in certain ways that that animal protein is actually detrimental to your health, then you're basically you're destroying the the mental health the physical health and the spiritual health of a nation we have to start creating a peer-to-peer -peer access system with people that are delivering that beef to everybody across the nation that's why we're bringing in ranchers into the beef initiative so we can have those connections those relationships and have a peer-to-peer -peer transactional exchange with them that is value for value that is based on pure food we don't have to worry about all the touch points how many how many people ate something from the supermarket today 
Right. What 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 we eat? I mean, I had a steak from the supermarket yesterday. Eggs, okay. Jerky, chicken, okay. That chicken from that supermarket had probably 20 to 22 touch points to get to you. Okay. I ate a steak yesterday and I quizzed the guy, the guy that disposed of the butcher. Well, there's something called a, it's called the Brazilian cattle drive that's happening right now. The Brazilian cattle drive is where a cow starts off some grass in Brazil. Cattle drive all that the way cow. from South America, all the South way through America, uh, Central America, Mexico. through Mexico. At that time, they're eating uh, food that's less than desirable for them. They're taking off that grass. They're injected with certain types of poisons as far as steroids, antibiotics, all uh, basically engineered and uh, basically controlled by chemical companies. And whenever they get to their final destination, they're shipped across into the border and then they're harvested. That type of meat is not edible. USDA slaps USDA Prime on it. Every part of that cattle drive was a touch point of a global corporation making profit off that cow. Time it gets to the United States, it's a piece of garbage. Well, in Texas, that's the beef that we get served. All the cattle that is basically in the state of Texas, not all of it, but a high percentage of the cattle that gets raised and stewarded in the state of Texas goes through the same processing center but that beef gets sold to China and Europe. We don't even get to eat our own beef anymore. But everybody says, well, it's got USDA Prime on it. Doesn't matter anymore. So, USDA yeah. Prime is nothing. So this beef, our beef that's being shipped abroad, is that better quality beef? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you think, well, let's just talk about a cow that comes from Brazil all the way to San Antonio. Whenever you have a cow that is stressed, that's not good beef. That's enough to just say, I'm not eating that cow because it's... You want to eat happy animals. Yeah, and you want to eat happy animals. You really do. I mean, it, it's that important. And so let's lose the chemicals out. Let's just say the stress that cow goes through to be shipped from Brazil to Mexico to the United States, that's reason enough not to want that beef. And how they get around that is because that beef there is going to get steroids, it's going to get antibiotics. It's going to get chemicals. Same Guess what? Brazil. Huh? Brazil and all the way. Yeah. So I was going to ask, why, why is that beef cattle from Brazil not being consumed in Brazil or around Brazil? Well, it's a Brazilian company that's making this happen, right? These, uh, those four processing centers, three of them are headquartered out of Brazil. That's where their global headquarters are. And so each one of... What up, June? What is this, man? You just turned my scraps of stories into a damn movie. The crazy part is, Subhanallah, this is not a movie. This is just a reordering of time and space a little bit. This is simple shit, really. You're just giving me some recordings, some conversations that people around the world are having every day. They're a dime a dozen. Man, but the music and the sound design, dude, that's a freaking Barney song. <laughs> but this is reality, bro. Is it not? Is not what we have is this debased character singing songs about love and harmony while simultaneously destroying us from the inside out? Dude, that's exactly it. That's what's happening, man. You nailed it, brother. Anyone can see this. Any moron can see this. And they do. And the less moronic of the bunch, they buy Bitcoin. They certainly do. 
But is that what this Bitcoin thing is about, Slim? Being less moronic? Hell no. And that's what's happening here, then. We're just showing Bitcoiners how to become less moronic. We're providing a framework with an actual map of how to adopt the sound food standard that is the other side of the sound money standard that everyone's talking about. Exactly, man. With Bitcoin at the core of this new peer-to-peer economy, we're doing to the food industry what Bitcoin does to the financial industry. Bitcoin and the Sovereign Rancher is the first production of Texas Slams Media. This documentary series will explore every problem facing consumers at the global, local, psychic, and spiritual levels. We're not just making a cinema of problems, though. This is a cinema of solutions. Follow along as we meet Cole Bolton, the first Texan and American rancher to earn a full Bitcoin selling beef. This is Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle, and I approve of this message. All right, our journey to where we got here. And uh, Cole, uh, glad to have you. It looks like you're sitting in a freezer to me. Yeah, it feels like I'm in Antarctica. I'm actually in our little meat shop. We call it the Igloo. Uh, uh, you know, we got to keep temperatures cool anyway, but uh, man, we are super busy. Uh, you'll see I just unloaded a whole bunch of boxes of beef uh, came in today. We have another truck coming in tomorrow. Huge 4th of July orders. You know, it's the busiest week of the year, and uh, we try to be prepared and stock for it. So, uh, to all the listeners, thank you for the support. Y'all have just helped us really, really accelerate this thing. I mean, Slim, who would have thought we would have been able to reach so many different states across the United States with the beef initiative? No, I mean, I remember that day. It was it was it was early morning, and you it was I believe I don't even it might have been a Friday morning. I can't remember the first time I went out there. You know, and you you couldn't even come shake my hand because you were so damn, you know, busy and trying to get things going that day. But, you know, I reflect back on that morning and you and I didn't know each other. We didn't know anything, but we struck it off really fast. And every conversation that we've had ever since then has been something that has been uh, pretty magical in a lot of ways. We've uh, we've hit a tune with each other as far as our communications, what we're trying to accomplish and uh, you're right. I mean, we we didn't even think about reaching out beyond Texas. And what a lot of people don't understand is as as you've grown, as the beef initiative has grown, we accommodate what we see. That's the opportunity in front of us. I know that you work really hard on that because, you know, the one thing that you have to battle each day is making sure people get beef in a timely manner. And to coordinate that and to basically integrate that into your business model and how we're doing it moving forward within the Beef Initiative and the partnership with KNC Cattle has been pretty phenomenal. And I don't think people understand, you know, everything that goes into that as far as the, the integration, the logistics, the distribution, the packaging, you know, everything that you battle and engineer every day. So if you want to kind of touch on that so people across the country can kind of understand what's going on with this orchestration. Yeah, so when you order from KNC Cattle or through the Beef Initiative, we try to do a turnaround within five to seven days on our traditional boxes. Um, when you order in bulk, we usually ask for a two to three week lead time. Uh, that's only because we're going to customize your, your order uh, when you buy in bulk. And, um, you know, one of the things a lot of folks don't 
have gotten frustrated or I've gotten feedback on is like, damn, I'm in New York. I tried to buy the Texas Slim box in the shipping $70. Well, what they don't understand, or, you know, a lot of folks don't realize we're not putting any upcharge. In fact, for quite a long, in certain parts of the Northeast and even the West Coast, it's getting up as high as 78, 82, 84 bucks to overnight ship it. Um, and so with that, I've been eating the difference because I want people to get our product um, versus tacking it on. And, you know, I get so frustrated. A lot of these companies will, will put on their free shipping, but yet they've added a $150 margin to the box of meat that you get. So uh, I'd rather be more transparent with folks. Let them know value for value exactly what you're paying for uh, and break it down. I, I'm, I don't like to hide hide uh, additional fees and whatnot and the cost of our beef um but we're doing the best we can you know last week we had 55 packages ups did not deliver on time and so i either emailed or personally called every single customer let them know we're reshipping their box um most of them have gotten them i have a few that we're shipping tomorrow because we just got fresh meat in. it's got to freeze um and get it out to them but we have some cool things going. We are changing our dry ice program uh, going in our boxes so that hopefully we can look at some other options with shipping. You know, right here close to Texas, we can get it within a day. So your shipping is cheaper. And, and the surrounding New Mexico, Oklahoma, Louisiana, um, we can keep them at a very reduced shipping cost. Uh, but, you know, this it's one thing anyone that gets in the beef business um, going direct to table to consumers we're all fighting the same shipping costs and hell slim you and i have looked at platforms we got one of the better reduced shipping costs compared to most um, and it's it is a challenge we're continuing to to try to do better we want uh to be able to help consumers but most importantly our our triangle that you uh posted on on twitter the other day you know we have producers in these states that we want you to go to. And when it comes to Texas, I'm, I'm here, uh, you know, in South Central East Texas to, to take care of you. And, and we got a heck of a producer up in the panhandle. Uh, we got Colorado covered, Tennessee. And I know you're going to talk about all that stuff. But, um, man, we're, we've made leaps and bounds. We've shipped to all 48 states. I got my first Bitcoin selling beef. I mean, it, in the last six months, things have just... Uh, really, really changed. Good morning, everyone. I'm Cole Bolton, owner of KNC Cattle Company. Michael asked me to change it up a little bit this week, so I'm going to present your weekly specials to you. But first and foremost, I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued orders. This is seven weeks straight. We've continued to sell out. We've shipped to 36 states and all across Texas. We can't thank you enough, and we hope to continue to provide our prime both beef and pork directly to your home or business at the lowest price that we possibly can. So let's get started with our specials. Package number one, we got two huge bone-in New York strips, one top sirloin, one pack of beef sirloin. Yeah, they, they have, and, and, and I'm glad you bring that up because the one thing that even you, okay, you the rancher that's having success right now through the beef initiative, and you could really kind of 
kind of could button up here and say, well, we're going to we're going to hit the United States. We're going to be the beef supplier of the United States. But that's not where your mindset is. And that's not where your intentions are. Your intentions are to spread the wealth. There is no competition here in the beef industry whenever you're kind of coming through the beef initiative. As you grow in volume, and we're about to talk about that with the processing center that you, you've announced and that we've been talking about and kind of kind of keeping it mum for a while. But, you know, as you grow and get more powerful in the state of Texas, we want other producers to come into the beef initiative and do exactly what you and I've done here in the state of Texas, all the way from Washington to the Northeast to California to all the way out to Florida, wherever it is, we need exact to scale the model that you and I have had success getting to. And as we do that, everybody that comes to the beef initiative, you know, we eliminate the kind of the the control of the logistics, the control of these shipping companies that do, they hand tie small businesses, they hand tie, you know, innovation. And by eliminating their power over us and as far as price manipulations, you know, the, the manipulation of diesel across the United States, how that affects shipping. There's so many things that we can do that actually gets more hyper local more community-based, more regional-based to where everybody can have success. Everybody can follow the regenerative protocol that you and I have been really establishing in people's minds, you know, that, that quality. You and I had a conversation the other day. I was up on top of a mountain there in the Smoky Mountains, and we were talking about, you know, these other kind of options that you can have in the United States right now as far as getting beef boxes or beef shipped to you. A lot of people don't understand some of these beef boxes that are being shipped across the United States with these other countries, right? Uh, companies right now, actually, the beef comes from a different country. It doesn't even come from the United States. It's yeah. it's not something that we're trying to really pinpoint as a, you know that uh, is any nefarious or anything. But what it is it, in the long run, it's a quality issue. In the long run, it's basically a logistics issue. It's a supply chain issue to where you really think that you might be helping the regenerative farmers across the United States, but you're really not. And by knowing this in, you know, you spoke for a couple of minutes, what people don't really understand coming, coming into the beef initiative and in, in buying beef from KNC cattle is that you're not a salesman, you're an educator. And what you have to do every day is set expectations, follow through on those expectations and educate in a way that, hey, this is a new market access that's out there and that it's available to you, but this is how you approach it. It's not that instant gratification, Amazon.com type of you know, gratification that most people have been conditioned to have. This is a different form of sourcing your pure, your pure animal protein, your nutrition for your family in, in a quality way that does require different expectations. Fix the money, fix the food. This is Texas Sun with the beef initiative.